Hello and welcome to DIY Data 5. Today is August 19th, 2020. This is episode 5, Cash, Money, and DIY, and Teaching the Value of a Dollar. My name is Michael Yerig. In today's episode, we look at whether or not you want to or should spend your money on a DIY task or project. Also, I get into the many facets of how we have tried to navigate the tasks of trying to teach our children the value of money and the fact that it actually does not grow on trees. If you'd like an overview of the five areas of the DIY considerations, I do recommend listening to episode two, which you can find the link for in the, in the show notes that I've posted. As usual, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at DIYData5. And now you can also email me at podcasts at DIYData5.com. So to start off, when it comes to DIYing, at the recommendation of my actual father-in-law, who does listen to this podcast, I have come up with an acronym, which for you who do not know what an acronym is, that's actually when you take the letters of multiple words that you use, whether it be the title of something or just multiple words that you use to describe something, and you take usually the first letter and you come up with a phrase to describe that uh, statement or those words, and you use that to make a word or some or sound that will represent it to make it easier to remember. So I've come up, changed the words a little bit, but it still represents what I'm trying to, to uh, get across, and I've come up with the word temps. So to use the word temps, we want to remember every time we're going to DIY something, we want to take our temps, like temperatures, to see if we're healthy enough or ready to actually DIY a project. So the word T-E-M-P-S stands for time, equipment, money, passion, skills. So when we take our temps, we're seeing if we're ready to DIY a task or project or if we want to. So today we're going to talk about cash money and should we DIY a project based on that area of our temps. So do I have the money or can I get the money? And do I even want to spend said money on a task or project? So first, if you have a small budget, you might have to DIY a project. And that's basically mean means you don't have the money to pay somebody else. So you got a car repair that you kind of need to do it yourself because you can't pay somebody else to do it. But you obviously have the skills you want to do it, and it's not going to be a big deal if you do it yourself. Or you have a home repair that, you know, if you go and you can buy the supplies yourself with the small budget, you can do yourself and it's not a big deal. You know, these are the projects that you have the skill set, you have the tools, you can do it, you have the time, you can do it. But it's just within the budget that you have, the money that you have, you can do it yourself. So again, you don't want to set yourself up for failure by putting it on a credit card, but you're going to be paying on it forever. You know, it's a wise, prudent decision to just do it yourself, either take the time, get an additional skill set. Maybe if you have a, a friend that can come over and help you with a lending hand or give you some advice on how to do it or loan you a tool if you don't quite have the right tools, you know, just use use that small budget that you have to do it yourself. So it's just a wise decision to work within your small budget. Or if you just don't want to spend a lot of your money, you may have the money to pay somebody else, but you don't want to spend your additional 
capital that you have on this project. You know, you, you have the time or you have the passion and you just don't want to spend that extra cash on it because you want to put that money towards something else. That's perfectly fine also as well. You don't have to spend the money just because you have it. It's okay to DIY something because you want to save the capital. You want to keep your budget low on, a, on this project. So maybe on another project that you don't want to DIY, you can spend the money on that one instead. You know, so trying to keep a small budget on a project is a reason to DIY something. It's perfectly fine as long as on the other areas you can meet those requirements as well. Uh, if you are willing to save for a longer time or you have a larger budget and you want to DIY, um, and but it's a bigger project, you know, obviously you can put more money towards it. And you can put more money towards it, and that would allow you to obviously put more sweat into it, but it may mean it's going to take you longer to save the money. So it's a bigger project, you know, maybe a large deck or an add-on to your house, but obviously, you know, you're going to be putting a lot more money into it. And you might have to wait longer if you're going to put the cash into it. Now, if you just are going to do this very large project, maybe a, a car restoration or something like that, and you're going to do it slowly over time, you may do it piecemeal. It might sit in your garage for a long time. And those are kind of projects, you know, that just sit there a long time. That's that's a different kind of project. Obviously, that's a that's a that's a project of passion. You know, that's not something that you have to have all the money up front. That's a different kind of DIY project that you might sink a lot of money into, a lot of time into. You know, that's a that's a whole different level of DIY. That's not a DIY out of necessity. So the next kind of thing when you're talking about money is the the money where you don't want to DIY it, where if you have a project that needs to be done and you don't want to DIY it, you're going to want to save up money maybe over the longer term so that you can have a pro do it. So this is a project you've decided you're not going to DIY it. Um, say like a deck replacement, a big deck replacement. Maybe um, you got to have it knocked down, all the footings redone, a lot of heavy labor that you don't want to do. Um, you know, like maybe you have a larger house and it's a higher high rise deck or something like that. And, you know, there's a lot of code going into it that you don't want to have to deal with. And it's just not something fun that you want to you want to put your time and energy into and, and you're worried about safety. And it's just just not something that you're into and you don't want to deal with it. That's fine. Just make sure you're saving the money and you can you can pay for it in cash so that you're not paying on it for, you know, five, seven, eight years later and you're, you know you, you end up paying fifty percent more for the deck because you have interest. You know, a lot of people want to, you know, get it now and pay for it in the future, you know, and all those barbecues for the next six years, you end up paying more for it than you really needed to when you could have just saved the money. You know, so the the issue is most people want to, you know, get the item and they move out of the house or they sell the car or something like that. And they're still paying for this project that they didn't need to and they don't have it anymore. So the thing is, that when it comes to these projects, you got to weigh the the project versus your budget. You know, it's okay to do the project, and if you're going to do the project yourself, you know, you can obviously have a smaller budget, you can put some of the sweat into it, you can take your time, but if you're going to pay a professional to do it, you know, you got to watch out because, A, professionals cost a lot more, which is going to drive your budget up quickly, 
you know, so if you're going to do that, that's perfectly fine, but it's a lot, it's a lot better to pay them with cash so that your budget doesn't go overboard and you'll feel the fact that your budget's going to go up quicker. So if you have the cash up front, you know, it's going to help you keep your mindset on your budget, making sure that they don't drive your budget up on you. So it's okay to have somebody else do it if the project is, you know, time consuming, if it's, you know, more work that you want to, than you want to put into it. Um, I recently posted a video on Instagram where, you know, I talked about the most recent tropical storm that ripped through Connecticut, how it started off with just our playscape being hit by some trees and stuff like that, and how I was going to originally just try and repair it myself, and then a bunch of trees falling, and I was going to just cut them up myself, you know, this, this project that was going to be in my yard, but then once a tree landed on my house, that became a massive project of time where all the skill set needed, you know, I'm pretty sure I could have done it myself. I had friends with skills that could have helped me out if I really asked them. I'm sure they would have. But just the time, the energy, all of that that was would have been needed to do it, even the, the money would have been there because my insurance would have paid me. Um, I could have done it all DIY, but there was no way I was going to do that. You know, there's there's just the, the component of everything that would have had to gone into it. The passion wouldn't have been there the time constraint of how long it would have had to take to get it done. If I DIY'd it, it would have been better to just say, let the insurance pay for it. Let a professional contractor get it done. I know it's all going to get done in a much faster time than if I did it myself. So, and then even then, according to, like I said in my video, all the other stuff would have been taken care of a lot quicker as well. And as of right now, things are going much smoother. I didn't have to put any labor into any of, uh, any of it right now, all the trees are already gone. The playscapes cleaned up, you know, a lot of things are going a lot faster than if I had to do it myself. You know, so there's, there's different things that have to happen in this decision-making and eventually the, the ladder will shift from one area to another on where your decisions have to be made. And when it comes to money, certain things have to be taken consideration on, is it a small budget? Is it a big budget? Is it a small amount of time? Is it a large amount of time? Is it really your passion? Is it not your passion? Or is it somewhere in between? And again, you know, equipment wise, when it came to the trees, at first it was just a chainsaw. Later on, when it was on my house, it required, you know, major lifting cranes to get it off of my house. So you really got to consider all this, all this stuff uh, with a grain of salt in those gray, gray areas. So going to the next thing, we're going to uh, jump over to the dad side of the podcast, and we're going to jump into teaching the value of a dollar. Obviously, we we're just talking about budgets of a DIY life. So obviously, it's good to start going to the next area when it comes to our children, because we're going to talk about budgets. We should talk about teaching our children uh, how to deal with money. Uh, obviously, with five kids, you know, we have a lot of them with a lot of needs, and they want to buy things. They want to get things. We have children from 10 to 2, so they all, all th see things differently when it comes to money. Our 10-year-old and our 7-year-old obviously have more of an understanding of money now than our 4- and 2-year-olds do. We definitely had to go about um, things differently with all of them. So what I really want to do is I want to go back to the last podcast where I started talking about teaching and what we had to do first. Um, so last podcast, I started talking about how we have to look at ourselves as teachers. Um, when my wife and I first got together, we realized that financially, 
her and I were very different. Um, she came from a family that uh, handled money one way. I came from a family that handled money differently um, than they did. And so her and I had different, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily views of money differently because when we came together, we actually saw money had to be handled pretty much the same. But unfortunately, she handled money one way and I handled money pretty much the opposite just because of natural inclinations. Uh, not right or wrong, it's just the way we were. So we had to get on the same page on what we were going to do. Um, luckily, we both agreed on that and we decided to work a plan together, um, which is the biggest key when it comes to having a family is we had to do some do things together. Now, a lot of people agree on what I just said. The problem is doing that. Um, a lot of times in many different areas of life, you know, we agree we're going to do things together, but then we don't do that. Um, financially, a lot of people agree, you know, we should do things together, but then, you know, they'll have separate accounts. They'll do your money, my money, you know, and that kind of stuff. And that can cause a lot of stress and a lot of strain uh, or even just simply a lot of confusion. You know, you pay this bill, I pay that bill, um, you know, I'll have my credit card, you have your credit card, and, and these all these weird different things. It just it adds a lot of um, gray confusion to the things, which just things can get lost, and it can get difficult to figure out when something goes wrong where the, where the confusion is. And so when we started doing things, we decided we wanted to have everything put together so that we only had one picture to look at. You know, we had one account where all the money went in, all the bills came out, and everything was just on one page. And it was it was a simple, simple, you know, equation. All the money in, all the money out. We had one budget, and on that budget sheet, we had all of our expenses, and it was plain as plain as day. Um, all of our savings came out of it, and and the such. Now, when it came to um, that we also realized that we have to teach our children what money was. Um, you know, money was not the answer to anything. Money was a uh, tool to help us. So a lot of the things that we had to teach our children had to have that as an understanding. So the first thing we had to do in for us is get to, to the understanding that tool, uh, that tool of money was not going to help us um, solve any of our problems. Now, if we had a problem that we all of a sudden thought money was going to help us solve it, we had to realize that, you know, we have a problem with this. Is it the, is it not having enough money or is it, we're doing too much of that? You know, is it, okay. If we're, you know, if we don't, if we don't have enough food, is it, are we wasting too much food? Is it, you know, are we eating too much food? Is it, we're eating too much rest at the restaurants too much, which means we're spending too much money on restaurants, you know, so we would go back to the budget, you know, are we spending too much money somewhere else, you know, so we're not buying enough food kind of thing. Um, you know, so we had to look at different things, you know, it's not necessarily, we're not spending enough. We don't have enough money for food. Is it, we're wasting too much food. So, you know, that's why we don't seem to have enough food, you know, so it's not always, you didn't have enough food. It's maybe we weren't doing the right things. Um, cause generally money isn't the problem. It's 
we're not using the money correctly. You know, so that was the first thing we had to do is we had to look at ourselves um, as the teachers, look at how we were looking at money, how we were treating money and and things like that. Um, so this is going back to the last podcast and looking at ourselves as teachers. We had to look at our strengths and our weaknesses, how we are looking at this subject matter, how we are with this subject matter individually. So uh, my wife had to look at how she was with money, how I am with money, how we are with money. Um, and again, this wasn't, we just sat down at the table and we were like, oh, we want to teach our kids about money. And, you know, how are we and how are you and how am I? And let's write down a game plan. You know, this was something that progressed over time and it just kind of naturally flowed. You know, it's not like we sat down and game plan this whole subject matter and how we were going to teach it to our kids. It's just kind of something that flowed. And now that I'm talking about it, it's, it, it was, it, this is me fleshing out what kind of happened for us. And I'm hoping this helps you. Um, but these are some of the things that happen for us is, is we, we realize these things about us and then this uh, formed how we how we've taught our children. So we've realized these things about us and how money works with us. So then when it came to what was happening with our children is when we were talking about money, uh, we realized, you know, we were living on a budget and a budget works great. It's an awesome thing. Um, you know, we, we put down how much money we're getting for the month. We're writing down all of our, our expenses, you know, you know, what we plan to spend on groceries, we stay within our budget. We, what we plan on spending for gas, we stay within our budget. You know, we keep everything very realistic. Um, you know, when we had it, we, we paid off of all of our debts and stuff like that. We don't go into debt anymore because we stay within our budgets. You know, we plan all of our expenses for entertainments and personal spending cash and all that good stuff. And then our savings and our you know, whatever else we need to spend, we stay well within our budget, which was great. It's awesome. You know, all of our fun time with our kids, we budget every single thing we need and it makes sure we do everything we want. So if we want to, you know, have fun and go do X, Y, and Z with the kids, we put in a line, we budget it, we have it, we have it set aside. The problem that happened was though, is if during the month, something was coming up or even just you know, the kids were asking for something and, and, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't, you know, put it in the budget for that month. We would just tell the kids, no, we don't, we don't have the money for that this month, you know, and that's a typical line. And, you know, most of the time, even regular parents that don't live off of a budget would say, nope, don't have the money for that. And the kids were starting to think we just don't have money, like typical, oh, no, don't have the money, blah, blah, blah. And so we started listening to our kids play. And like we know, most kids, when they play and they imagine play or use their imagination when they play, they play kind of how they hear life. And so they're playing with each other and they're playing with their dolls and stuff like that. And they started playing like they were poor. Um, and not to say, you know, um, you know, a, a negative stigma of being poor, but they started acting like they legitimately had absolutely no money whatsoever. Um, they were acting like, no, we don't have any money. You know, we're going to lose our house and our car and that kind of stuff. And we started act asking them about this. And they're like, yeah, you guys say we, we never have money. And, we're, and we started talking to them and we're like, so you think when we say we don't have money for what you ask, we, we really mean we don't have money? And they're like, yeah, you say we don't have money for this and this and this. And so we started realizing that the word choices that we had been using for them made them believe we actually had no money whatsoever they weren't realizing the fact that 
we had no problem paying our bills. We had no problem buying groceries. We had no problem putting gas in the car, paying for the mortgage. We had no problems doing all, and, and honestly, all the other stuff we were doing with them, you know, you know, going out, having fun, eating out at restaurants, all the other stuff we were doing, which we had no problem paying for. They didn't recognize all the stuff we were doing. They were honing on on the words we were using. When the few things that they did ask for, we use specific verbiage, that's what they, they keyed in on. So we realized we had to use our word choice very specifically. So we made a choice to say, nope, that's not in this month's budget, but we can change that for next month. Or, you know, we, you know what, when we started doing certain things, if they wanted to do something, say, okay, we're going to use this part of the budget to do that. So if we did do something that they asked for, you know, like if they wanted to go out to eat at a restaurant after church, we're saying, okay, we're going out to eat now and we're putting it in this part of the budget. So they recognize that when we're going out to eat, it's going under the restaurant budget. Or when we're going out to do something, it's going under family fun day budget or, you know, these kind of different things. Where we're letting them understand that these different things we're doing now are going under different categories of our budget. So they understand that everything we're doing, we planned for. Um, so we had to make sure they understood that every dollar we're spending, we've planned. And then they've, they're planning their, their playtime, we noticed changed. They've actually started talking about, yeah, we budget to do this and we're going to go do that and we can have fun doing this because we put it in the budget and it's great. And so their, their, their playtime changed. They understood that you can still have fun and plan for it and not stress over it. Um, so that's one thing that we had to change just so that they understood that just because you're saying no to money or to spending money doesn't mean you don't have the money. It just means you have a different plan for your money. So with that, um, there was a few things we had to also teach them. Uh, the first thing is no is an okay answer when they ask, because um, there's going to be a lot of times your kids ask you for stuff and they have to understand no is going to probably be a primary answer because kids are going to ask for things way more often than you're going to want to say yes. Um, so unfortunately, you're going to have to teach them no. I mean, if we said yes all the time, they would have rooms full of candy uh, every stuffed animal under the sun, every toy under the sun, and things that they will never touch. And we know this. So the shortest sentence, known to man, no, is perfectly acceptable for pretty much every question that they ask. And you need to understand that. They need to understand that. And it's perfectly okay. Second, we need to understand is that us having a firm grasp on our finances and them understanding that we have a firm grasp on our finances is considered security for our children. If we don't know what's going on with our money and we cannot express to them that we have a firm understanding of our money and that we have a control on our money, that actually scares our children. Um, I have a firsthand knowledge of this, a firsthand experience of this. Um, I've seen this in other children. I mean, even even in our children, we have a, a a good grasp on our money, and even some some of our children will sometimes express this fear to us. And I don't even know where this is coming from, but they question it sometimes still. 
Like, do are we okay with our finances? Like when our house got hit, they're like, they're still questioning, like, are we going to be okay? Are we going to be able to afford this? Are we going to be able to fix our house? You know, they still question the ability for us to do things. And you know, it comes from the, is it going to be okay? Um, so the ability to take care of things is a security for our children. So being able to take care of our children um, security wise, a lot of that is tied to our ability to handle our finances. Um, the other thing too is if you know we are wondering where our money is going and we don't know where our money is going, you know the best way to fix that is living on a budget and teaching our kids, especially when they get a little older, uh, what a budget is and that kind of stuff. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you can't do things. And you can't have fun with your children. You know, we, we show our kids and we let our kids sometimes decide what our fun budget's going to be and not the amount, but maybe what we're going to do with it. We let them decide what that's going to be. And that helps teach our children, you know, that budgeting is a good thing. Budgeting can be um, simple and encouraging. You know, every month when we, when my wife and I budget, you know, we dream that whole month ahead, like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? You know, how do we want to spend, you know, our, our, our month? you know, that whole month, like we have these days free. What do we want to do? Where do we want to go? How do we want to spend it? And then we will involve our kids as well, which teaches our kids that money is a tool. It's not we're working just for money. It's the money is meant to do something. That's what we're trying to teach our kids. Money is meant to do something. That's what we're always trying to teach our kids. It's not we live our life to get money. It's that our money is meant to do something. So what do we do with our kids when they get money? So for our kids, we have them do three things. We have them give some, save some, and spend most of it. Okay. Um, so different people have different ratios. Um, we, we do the, uh, 80, 10, 10. So spend 80, give 10, save 10 right now. Um, so we have, we go to church, we're Christians. So they tithe 10%, they save 10% and they spend 80%. Um, now they're saved 10% because their kids is pretty much eventually going to be spending, um, cause they're, they're probably going to be saving it for a car or college or whatever it is, but it's going into the, their bank account. Um, they have a savings account where their money goes. Um, their tithe is 10%. So we save it. Um, and when, when they go to church every so often they'll tithe it to the church. Now, sometimes they'll get $5. So they save 50 cents or they get a dollar cause they're young or, you know, birthday cards or whatever they'll go in there. Um, and then whatever they get 80%, they save in their piggy banks and stuff like that. And they can spend it. A lot of times when they get birthday money, they'll get more. A lot of times um, we have them have chores. They do not get paid for chores in our house. What they can do, though, is we have extra and above tasks that they can do. And each child is different because we're not going to have a seven-year-old have a task that a 10-year-old would do and they would get paid the same amount. A 10-year-old has more difficult tasks than the seven-year-old and a seven-year-old has more difficult tasks than the four-year-old. And yes, the four-year-old has tasks she can do as well to earn money. And all three of them, our two-year-old don't have any yet because they're two. And all three of them have tasks that they can do that are above and beyond their chores. 
and they can do these whenever they want throughout the week. Um, some they can do multiple times, some they can only do one time, and they can earn money uh, each week or once a month, depending on the task. And they will do those tasks and they can earn money and they would give, save, and spend off of those things. So these are pretty much like paid jobs that they can all do. Um, if they don't do them, they know eventually because they have to get done. They'll just be done and it'll be an unpaid task at that time because they will become a chore. Um, and sometimes my wife and I will just do these because they just need to get done. They become a, this is something that just has to be done for the house. You live here at this point, but you had a chance to get paid for them. Um, so these are things that are probably a little bit harder than what's a chore for their age. Um, but if you want to get paid for them, you can. And then also throughout the year, because we have a yard or something like that, there's there's different things we might say, hey, if you all want to make some money, let's go outside and you know, you can help by doing this and you'll each get paid a dollar or you know, two dollars for helping with this. And they'll each get a chance to make money that way as well. Um, and we're teaching them, you know, that work equals income. You know, that's what these jobs are. Um, just work equals income. And then different things earn extra money. And sometimes, you know, we even teach them, hey, you know what, if we give you an option to do this work for that, you could accept that. Or you can try and come back and say, no, you know what, if you want me to do that, this is how much I'll do it for. And we try and teach them, you know, the, the, the choice of negotiation. You know, if we offer you two, you don't come back with 20. Um, but they, they've started to learn about that. And, you know, we've worked with them in that as well. The, uh, the choice of weighing your, your value. Because that is very important. You know, we have... We have family members who are now getting to that part of life where they have to weigh their their value when it comes to their their labor, and they have a very hard time of doing that. So we really need to teach that in our children now. And so there's many different areas in life we have to think of as our children get over, older that when they're dealing with money, they have to realize it's a tool. They have to realize that they have to work to get it. It's not just going to be given to them like a birthday, okay? Because unfortunately, a lot of people will give them money for their birthday. Not that it's a bad thing because they don't understand, you know, when you just give a kid a money, they're like, oh, this is how you get money, you know, but I understand trying to buy a gift for a child that they they don't see all the time because they either live far away or they don't spend a lot of time with them or a child that just gets a lot of gifts all the time or they have all these toys in the world. I understand that's not a bad thing. You know, but when children get money, sometimes it does mess up their perception of money. So it's not a bad thing that you give them money, but, you know, children who get money, who love money, if that's all they ever get, they're going to think, oh, this is how you get money if the parents aren't teaching them how money works. Most parents try, but, you know, if that's all they ever get is money and they're not being taught how money works, they're going to think, oh, people just give you money. So we try and teach them, no, money is through work. If you don't work, you don't get money. And there's things you're supposed to do with money. You don't just work to get money and you just hold on to it. You're, you should give some out. You should save some of it. And you should definitely spend it. You should enjoy your labor for the money you get. Again, money is a tool and tools are meant to do a lot of different things. So I hope this podcast helps uh, you understand the different areas of DIYing. Again, today we talked about the money side of it. Whenever you're going to DIY something, you should take your temps. Make sure you're healthy enough or 
you're ready enough to DIY something in. Do you have the time, the equipment, the money, the passion, or the skills? And talking about teaching our kids the value of a dollar and what really money is for and the things that we've gone through in our household uh, as being the teachers of this. And if you want to, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at DIYdata5. And you can now also email me directly at podcast at DIYdata5.com. And like I said, if you wanted to get a brief overview of all the five areas of DIY consideration, a link to podcast episode two will be in the show notes. Thank you. My name is Michael Yurig. This is a DIY Data 5. Have a great week.